Hello, welcome to Come and See, a home-centered podcast-supported Come Follow Me. I'm Sam Rencher. And I'm Wendy Rencher. Welcome back this week, hopefully. We're going to be covering Alma 30 and 31. And there's only two chapters to study this week. And sometimes when we have short reading passages in Come Follow Me, it's I think it's because they're super doctrinal chapters like Alma 5 or 2 Nephi 31, where there's really so much um, doctrine to discuss. So it's interesting to consider why um, the church would have us study Alma 30 and 31, these two chapters for an entire week, because they aren't necessarily super doctrinally packed with really positive things, right? Do you know what I mean? I do. In some ways, it feels almost like just the opposite. In fact, it, technically, it is just the opposite. So here's here's a story that, that might help explain what this chapter, chapter 30, is about. Um, Jacob and I were in a tennis tournament this last Saturday. That's our son. Yes. And uh, we were playing doubles, and uh, at some point, Jacob pulled me over and he said, Hey, whenever you're doing your second serve, this one player is hitting the ball across the court and neither one of us are able to get to it. So anytime you miss your first serve, you need to immediately move down to this other place on the court because that's where the other player is hitting it every time. And I, I hadn't noticed that. I just was continuing to lose that point on my second <laughs> serve. But um, it was immensely helpful to know what the other team was going to do. So this is this chapter really is the playbook of the adversary. It's what the other team is going to do. Uh, verse 53. This is a spoiler alert because we're going to the end. It, um, but behold, the devil hath deceived me, for he appeared unto me in the form of, a, of an angel, and said unto me, Go and reclaim this people, that, for they have all gone astray after an unknown God. And he said unto me, uh, There is no God, yea, and he taught me that which I should say. This is not just Korihor, this is the devil. The devil taught him exactly what to say. This is... This is the opponent's playbook. And if we can understand what, what uh, the devil is going to do to try and trick us and trip us up, it will make us easier to avoid his pitfalls. And I think he, he uses these same strategies and, because they've been successful for, you know, since the beginning of time. Um, and so we want to really understand know what things he's going to um, try to do to distract us from Heavenly Father's plan. Yeah, it's worked for him for thousands of years. It's why he still does it. Um, Elder Bednar shared something interesting in his October 2019 conference talk. He said, spiritually dangerous ideas and actions frequently can appear to be attractive, desirable, or pleasurable. Thus, in our contemporary world, each of us needs to be aware of beguiling bad that pretends to be good. As Isaiah warned, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And certainly in this in these chapters, we see some of what Elder Bednar is talking about, that spiritually dangerous ideas 
are portrayed as attractive and desirable. All right. So here's just a very short history. Ammon and his brethren have returned and brought the anti-Nephi-Lehi's with them. Uh, the Lamanites um, have come up and there was a tremendous battle, the biggest battle in fact that the Nephites and Lamanites have ever had to date, with tens of thousands being slain. Um, Alma is continuing to give his time uh, being a missionary and preaching. And then we have this Antichrist entering the scene. So in verse 6 is where we introduce Korahor. It says, But it came to pass in the latter end of the seventeenth year, there came a man into the land of Zarahemla, and he was Antichrist. For he began to preach unto the people against the prophecies which had been spoken by the prophets concerning the coming of Christ. And if we keep going um, in 7, 8, and 9, it says, Now there was no law against a man's belief, for it was strictly contrary to the commands of God that there should be a law which should bring men onto unequal grounds. For thus saith the scripture, Choose ye this day whom ye will serve. Now if a man desired to serve God, it was his privilege, or rather, if he believed in God, it was his privilege to serve him. But if he did not believe in him, there was no law to punish him. So we find that Korahor starts to go around preaching to all of these people. And down in verse 12, it says, And this Antichrist, whose name was Korahor, and the law could have no hold upon him, began to preach unto the people that there should be no Christ. And after this manner did he preach. So again, just a reminder that God believes in agency. Everyone gets to choose whether or not they believe in God and his plan for them. And that's part of Heavenly Father's plan is that we learn to respect others' agency. And that's why Korahor could go about teaching all of these things to the people because God truly does believe in people being allowed to choose for themselves. Yeah. So if this is the devil's playbook, what are, what are his plays? Well, his primary play, his number one thing that he does, we got a taste of already in verse 12. There's other verses, verse 6, um, and others that talk about this because, again, it's it's really the devil's primary target. Um, and this Antichrist, whose name was Korahor, and the law could have no hold upon him, began to preach unto the people that there should be no Christ. That is playbook number one for the devil, that there is no Christ. It's his primary target. He wants to remove Christ from our lives. If he can do that, then he's one. Um, we keep going in verse 13. O ye that are bound down under a foolish and a vain hope, why do ye yoke yourselves with such foolish things? Why do ye look for a Christ? For no man can know of anything which is to come. Behold, these things which ye call prophecies, which ye say are handed down by holy prophets, behold, they are foolish traditions of your fathers. How do ye know of their surety? Behold, ye cannot know of things which ye do not see. Therefore, ye cannot know that there shall be a Christ. So we get the next couple of the devil's plays um, from these verses. Um, we'll say number two, uh, ye cannot know of things to come. So this would remove Jesus from returning. It would remove the scriptures and so forth. It, this is a play that you'll hear often, you can't know of things to come. 
Um, number three also comes from verse 13 and also verse 24. I'll read 24. It says, Ye say that this people is a free people. Behold, I say they are in bondage. Ye say that those ancient prophecies are true. Behold, I say that ye do not know that they are true. Um, this is a super used um, play of the devil. This will sound very familiar. It is believing in Christ is being in bondage. You know, how many people do we know that are struggling with the gospel buy into this teaching that the commandments hold us down? Being a member of the church is restrictive. Um, Those things um, often are, are considered um, limiting our freedom, I guess. People feel like it limits their freedom instead of believing in Christ actually makes you more free. Um, more free from bondage. Um, So have you ever had someone tell you that believing in Jesus or being a member of his church, you know, was foolish or that you that you can't can't know of those things? You know, how did you respond to those people? Um, Have you ever had someone question, you know, how can you believe in a prophet or that he speaks for God? Um, those are things that I think we would we would want to discuss with our kids, especially in today's world, of of how can we respond to people um, kindly but firmly and with testimony about um, why we believe in a prophet, why we believe in God, and and how that we know that those things are true. Yeah. The next three come all from verse fourteen. Behold these things which ye call prophecies, which ye say are handed down by holy prophets. Behold, they are foolish traditions of your fathers. First one is that there is no prophecies. You know, what is one of the main emphasis our prophet has been giving us lately? It is to hear him. It, it's essential for us to listen and act upon our Savior's revelations. Um, The devil, of course, tries to counter the hear him principle by teaching that you cannot hear him. Um, There's no one to hear. So there's there's no no prophecy, no revelation. No revelation. That's not real. Yep. And then the devil follows that up with there's no prophets. If there's not a prophet to teach you prophecy, you know, that also really helps his cause. Um, But if we follow the prophet, we'll always be safe and in the right place because our prophet does speak for God. So that's number five of the devil with no prophets. And number six, it's really, it's really you're dumb if you believe. If you believe in the gospel, if you believe in Jesus, if you believe in the church, you're dumb. These are foolish traditions. Oh yeah. These are your fathers and they didn't know what they were doing and why would you even think that they could be right about this. It is a peer pressure thing. It is what our science community or academia would teach is, you know, you're unlearned and you just don't get it if you believe in a God. You're dumb if you believe. Um, It's very prideful, this, this one. People that are prideful buy into this one, that you're too smart to believe in a God. And uh, it's used a lot. The devil uses this one because it works on many people. Sam and I had a friend actually in, uh, in college that this was, I think, one of the, the reasons that he fell away from the church was 
was because he felt like he was smarter than 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 everyone else and there was no reason to believe in God and that was that was sad to see should we do 15 yep so how do you know of their surety behold ye cannot know of things which ye do not see therefore ye cannot know that there shall be a Christ you cannot know what you cannot see that's number seven really this is saying there is no faith um, if, if you can't know what you cannot see then then what we're saying is faith doesn't work there is no faith you have to scientifically be able to prove that something is real which is really just another way the devil is trying to remove Jesus and um, how sad is that I love the conference talk where Elder Holland uses the analogy of dumping out a basket of blocks and having them land in a perfect block castle that uh, you know you could do that a billion times just dump it out over and over and over again and it would never land in a perfect castle like that is impossible but there so you know really the creation and this world and how our bodies how how the elements and just how everything works denotes that there is a God and is proof proof that there's a God. Um, Korihor keeps going with his false teaching in verses 16 to 18. So let's read some of those. In 16 it says, Ye look forward and say that ye will see a remission of your sins. But behold, it is the, the effect of a frenzied mind. And this derangement of your minds comes because of the traditions of your fathers, which lead you away into a belief of things which are not so. So number eight, there is no redemption. You know, again, Korihor is an antichrist, trying to discredit or remove Christ as his primary focus. Um, you cannot repent. You cannot remove sin. Boy, if the devil can get people to believe that, then... Um, then again he's one but fortunately for us Jesus did pay for our sins and through him we can all be redeemed and this is an absolute truth and number nine also comes from verse 16 so it says this is a derangement of your minds um, believing in redemption makes you crazy or deranged and again this is just kind of tapping into people's pride again and and maybe into um, insecurities of do we really know that God is there you know are we really sure that that the gospel is true or that Jesus really came or those kinds of things um, but you know you can't prove these things so you know you must be crazy um, and the traditions of your fathers which teach you these things those are crazy too and you shouldn't believe those yeah in fact, you should do the quote that you found. Um, this is from Elder Gary E. Stevenson, also October 2019 conference. He said, Satan, the father of lies and the great deceiver, would have us question things as they really are and either ignore eternal truths or replace them with something that appears more pleasing. He maketh war with the saints of God and has spent millennia calculating and practicing the ability to persuade God's children to believe that good is evil and evil is good. That's good stuff. Yeah. Well, it's an apostle, you yeah. know, so. 
Uh, we, we need to stay near the church and those who do not teach this core whore devil doctrine. Um, because in the world, there's a lot who are who, who are going to preach that. And, you know, you believe in this just because your parents did. And there's no way Jesus could atone for your sins and so on. All right, verse 17, it says, And many more such things did he say unto them, telling them that there could be no atonement made for the sins of men. But every man fared in this life according to the management of the creature. Therefore, every man prospered according to his genius, and that every man conquered according to his strength. And whatsoever a man did was no crime. And by the way, if you hear a bunch of noise, it's because we decided to record this outside, which maybe wasn't our best thing ever because anyway, there's some cars and some planes and other stuff. So hopefully you can't hear that in the in the yeah, podcast. That, that last one was a helicopter. <laughs> we thought we were in a fairly private place, but it's been like Grand Central Station <laughs> since we began. So anyway, okay, back to verse 17. There is there's at least three from 17. Um, the first one is number 10, which is there's no atonement. And the devil for sure wants to take this away. There's no atonement. Um, if he's removed the atonement, he's removed Christ. Um, you fare according to what you do. Everyone prospers according to his genius. Every man conquers according to his strength. Um, these, these statements are used... Um, they're so prideful. They remove the need for a Christ and for an atonement. And the devil mingles in just enough scripture to make it confusing or believable to some people. And so you have to be careful. But fortunately, again, there is an atonement. And uh, really, we are all hardened, fallen, and lost without it. And accepting this, the atonement, then we are saved. So thanks be mm -hmm. to our Savior forever. Uh, number 11 uh, is in this in Satan's playbook is if you do well, it's because of your own genius. Again, it kind of goes again with number 10. You know, you don't really need God. It's uh, it's up to you to decide, you know, whether you're successful or not. And and God has nothing to do with it. Yep, you don't need God. Um the last one from 17, number 12, and whatsoever a man did was no crime. I've, I've heard this my whole life. It's kind of that, it's all good. You know, do what you want. There's no sin. Um, the truth is, Jesus has given us commandments, and they are real. Um, living commandments brings joy, and not living the commandments um, is sin and brings sorrow. I mean, again, this is an absolute truth, regardless of what the devil and Korahor say. And Elder Stevenson um, emphasized this principle as well, also the October 2019 General Conference. He said, however, in the same way that the adversary tried to deceive Moses, he seeks to trick you. He has pretended to be something that he is not. He always attempts to hide who he truly is. He claims that obedience will make your life miserable and that it will rob you of happiness. Can you think of some of his ploys to deceive? For instance, he disguises the destructive consequences of illicit drugs or drinking and instead suggests that it will bring pleasure. He immerses us in the various negative elements that can exist in social media, including the debilitating comparisons and idealized reality. In addition, he camouflages other dark, harmful content found online, such as pornography, 
blatant attacks on others through cyberbullying, and sowing misinformation to cause doubt and fear in our hearts and minds. Cunningly, he whispers, just follow me and you will surely be happy. Those are wise, wise words from an apostle. Let's go to verse 18. It says, And thus he did preach unto them, leading away the hearts of many, causing them to lift up their heads in their wickedness, yea, leading away many women and also men to commit whoredoms, telling them that when a man was dead, that there, that, that was the end thereof. So number 13, causing them to lift up their heads in their wickedness or be proud of your wickedness. It's, it's easier to tell people that you want to sin um, and you rejoice in the sin to it than to admit that you are trapped in a sin and that you're not willing to do what it takes to remove it from your life. Um, I, I see this type of thing as a teacher with, uh, with students. You'll see a student who acts out and is naughty and, and sometimes it's because they're struggling to learn the concepts or learning to read or learning the math. And so they, they are your acting out students as, and it's because they don't want to appear dumb. So instead they pretend that they don't care and they don't like school. That, that's kind of what people do with this one. They pretend that they love the wickedness and they're choosing to be wicked because it, I guess they think it's easier than actually dealing with with the sin that they've gotten themselves trapped into. Um, all right, so also in verse 18, we have playbook number 14. Yeah. Um, and that is that telling, uh, that basically Satan telling them that when a man is dead, that's the end thereof. There's no life after death. Um, that kind of removes the motivation to keep the commandments or that there is a, you know, a reason to follow God's plan um, because nothing, nothing happens to you after this life. When you're dead, you're dead. That's so sad. Again, the truth is uh, we do not end. We do live after we die. Our spirits do not die and we will all be resurrected and there is a judgment. Pretending that this is not true doesn't change that fact. Um, another from 18. Um, yea, leading away many women and also men to commit whoredoms. Really, he taught that there was no law of chastity. Um, the devil has really gone after the natural man, um, that there is no need to bridle your passions. If you have a desire for something, then you should just take it. And everyone must know that there is a law of chastity. And living this law will bring you peace and joy now and for eternity there is no way around this law it is one of the greatest blessings god has given us is the law of chastity so verse 23 let's skip over to there and we find uh playbook number 16 and 17. now the high priest's name was uh, gedona and korahor said unto him behold i do not teach the foolish traditions of your fathers and because I do not teach this people to bind themselves down under the foolish ordinances and performances which are laid down by ancient priests to usurp power and authority over them, to keep them in ignorance, that they may not lift up their heads, but be brought down according to thy words. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, Korahor said here, ordinances and performances or rituals... They are to um, bind down the people. They are to keep them in ignorance. They are 
um, again, foolish traditions. Yeah, there's no path. There's no way back. And um, again, the truth is there is a way back to God. It is straight and narrow and it is through performances and ordinances. That is the only way back to Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he clearly teaches us the way, and it is the way of happiness. And those performance and ordinances point us directly to him. Again, that's another way that, that Satan is trying to, to take Christ out of everything, yeah. is that, you know, is, is saying those ordinances, those performances, they have no power to save you which is the exact opposite of the truth. Yep. Uh, verse 25, Ye say that this people is a guilty and a fallen people because of the transgressions of a parent. Behold, I say that a child is not guilty because of its parent. Um, so he's saying there's no fall. Um, you say that this people is a guilty and a fallen people because of the transgressions of a parent. Um, it's amazing how the devil adds just a bit of truth to get us to buy into his lies. Of, of course we're guilty based on our own sin. Um, this is one of our own articles of faith that men will be punished for their own sins, not for Adam's transgression. This does not mean that there wasn't a fall and a need for redemption. And uh, we just have to be careful not to fall into his tricky lies. All right, verse 28 uh, says, Yea, they durst not make use of that which is their own lest they should offend their priests who do yoke them according to their desires and have brought them to believe and by their traditions and their dreams and their whims and their visions and their pretended mysteries that they should, if they did not do according to their words, offend some unknown being who they say is God, a being who never has been seen or known, who never was nor ever will be. Wow. So he, he moves from there's no Christ to there's no God. This is... This is atheism. Um, he's removing that, uh, you know, there cannot be a God. He cannot know God. I think it's fascinating how he says, you cannot know God. And again, John 17, 3, this is life eternal to know God. So he's also removing the purpose of life, which is to know God. And um, it's, it's hard to, I guess, as a, as a member of, of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It, it's a little bit hard to wrap my mind around um, people believing in those those lies. And yet at the same time, we live in a world where where there's people all around us that don't believe in, in, in the truths of the gospel. And so he is winning in a lot of ways. So as you continue to read through like verses 36 through 45, he continues to press that that there is no God. He says, um, Alma says, Believest thou that there is a God? And he answered, Nay. Yeah, really sad. Um, of course we have a God. He is our very eternal Father. Um, Korahor eventually demands a sign, and he receives it. He is struck dumb, and at that point he admits that he knew that there was a God but that the devil had deceived him. Um, Korahor then ends up among the Zoramites, which is what chapter 31 is about, the Zoramites. And he's just there begging for food. And some, I don't know what happens, but he's trampled to death, which is a really sad 
sad ending for him. Um, and because we didn't want to end on that really sad note, yes. <laughs> we wanted to end on something positive. We're going to go to verse 44 in Alma 30. And it says, But Alma said unto him, Thou hast had signs enough. Will ye tempt your God? Will ye say, Show unto me a sign, when ye have the testimony of all these thy brethren, and also all the holy prophets? The scriptures are laid before thee, yea, and all things denote there is a God, yea, even the earth, and all things that are upon the face of it, yea, and its motion, yea, and also all the planets which move in their regular form do witness that there is a supreme creator. So, you know, what witnesses do we have of God and his reality? Alma lists a bunch of them in that verse. The testimony of, of different people, the testimony of prophets, the scriptures, um, all things, he says, in fact. The earth, things. the motion of the earth, the planets. Um, we're sitting outside in front of the Timpanogos Temple right now as we're recording this. And there's so many things I can see that denote that there is a God. And so um, Korahor wanted a sign, um, but, but we don't really need a sign. We have so many witnesses right in front of us of his reality. And, and this week, maybe as you study this, you know, what witnesses do you see in your own life um, that that there is a God and, and maybe take some time this week to consider and perhaps even write down how you know there is a God. What witnesses um, has he given to you of his reality and his uh, plan? Great. Well, thanks for listening this week. And we'll see you next week on Come and See.